Hello, everyone. Welcome to All Things Episcopal, where we talk about anything and everything related to the Episcopal Church. This podcast was designed with younger folks in mind and as a space to learn more about the Christian faith with the Episcopal lens. So in traditionally Episcopalian greeting fashion, the Lord be with you. Hey, friends. Welcome back to the All Things Episcopal podcast. Um, thank you so much for being patient and gracious with us while we've taken a little bit of break. As you can imagine, um, the Advent and Christmas season for the church, particularly the Episcopal Church, is very, very busy and also very, very joyful. So we appreciate your patience as um, we gear back up for recording. Um, we also have a couple of announcements and uh, new things that are happening with not only the podcast, but also with the college and young adult community in the Diocese of West Missouri. The first is we got a new logo. So if you are listening on uh, Apple Podcasts or um, Google Podcasts or whichever platform you choose, um, we are still the same podcast. We just have a different logo. Um, So new look, same thing. Uh, The other thing is we are excited to announce um, the Commission for College and Young Adult Ministry in the Diocese of West Missouri. We are hosting our first um, college and young adult retreat on February 24th at St. Augs, uh, St. Augustine's, um, to be more proper, uh, church here in Kansas City, Missouri. It will take place. 10 a.m. to 4.30 on February 24th, which is a Saturday. So if you're interested in learning more about that, um, you can click the link in the show notes and you can learn more about that. Um, And we highly encourage you to register. Um, There will be workshops, opportunity for Eucharist, morning prayer, um, confession, if that's something that you're interested in. This is a time for rest, rejuvenation, fellowship, and just gathering with other young young folks. Um, so ages 18 to 39 are more than welcome to attend this workshop. Please, please, please do consider coming and registering. We'd love to have you. Okay, so on to our episode for today. I am so excited about who we're going to be in conversation with today. We are um, hosting the Reverend Adam James, who is a deacon, and the Reverend Barbara Wegner, who is also a deacon. And they're going to tell us a little bit about um, the role and function of a deacon and how they're exercising their call. Um, They're also going to talk a little bit about how they discerned their call to the diaconate in the Episcopal Church. So I am going to let them introduce themselves and have them tell a little bit about their story. So let's start with Deacon Adam. Hello, Claire. Good to see you. And thank you for letting me be on the podcast. And my good friend Deacon Barbara is also here as well. Um, My name is Adam James. I am a deacon in the Episcopal Church here in West Missouri. I am assigned to serve at St. Andrew's Episcopal Church in Kansas City, which is located just south of the Country Club Plaza in the Brookside neighborhood. And it's an it's a beautiful historical church that has a proud history of outreach in the community with a community center that we own across the street from our parish, HJ's Youth and Community Center, where I first discovered my calling. 
And um, I was serving coffee there at the brand new HJ's um, on weekday mornings when our archdeacon, Bruce Bauer, started asking me if I had considered uh, taking my diaconal calling seriously. And I, did, I didn't take him seriously for quite some time because it didn't seem like it made sense. I'm a retired firefighter here in Kansas City and uh, emergency medical technician. And after I started to seriously discern that call, it did make sense. I've always had a desire to help other people. And what that help looks like comes in many different forms. And in the earlier portion of my adult life, it looked like physical help and rescuing people and being a part of emergency responses. Now it looks more like walking with people through difficult times. And understanding what a deacon is is something that I'm still working on every day. Um, it is an interesting thing to be and an interesting place to be. And I think God calls people to be deacons, to live in those liminal spaces where it's not quite church and not quite the world, but yet kind of both, because they're really, I question, is there secular space or sacred space, or is it all kind of one and the same? And that's something I discern every single day. So that's a little bit of my story. I'll turn it over to Deacon Barbara. Thanks, Adam. Um, as Claire said, um, Adam and I have very different callings, but uh, in our day-to-day -day work, but our hearts are in the same place. So um, Adam has a heart of service through his beginning to be a firefighter. And my history was a heart of service that I learned in my family um, and was a federal employee for over 40 years. So even though I felt the calling as a young person, I didn't act on it until after I was retired. I didn't feel I could do the diaconate justice while working a full-time job and raising children. And I was also very frightened of the process because I didn't believe that I was truly called and asked many a priest, how do you know if it's your ego or God actually doing the calling. And um, I came to learn that if it seems impossible to accomplish, it's God. <laughs> because my becoming a deacon at 60-some uh, years old seemed very impossible to me. So um, I worked in human resources for most all of my career in the government and found that my greatest joy was in helping others and listening to them and being encouraging and a heart of love, no matter how awful the situation seemed to be, to give them hope that they can come through to the other side. So in that respect, um, I have most of my life uh, done the same thing that, that Adam was saying. And I also believe that although I am assigned to Grace and Holy Trinity Cathedral that is filled with 
the spirits of the saints who went before us and there's there's a a strong presence of that every time i walk into the sanctuary and open the door even um i just sense everyone who's worshiped in that space even having said that i agree that the secular is sacred as well and that we find the sacred out in god's creation and in the heart and the connection with other people thank you both for sharing um to both of y'all's points i i tend to think that we live in a secular two world so to speak where the sacred and the sacred and secular coexist and that we benefit from from both um and that we can find meaning in just about everything because of the sovereignty of god um and because of the holy spirit and the teachings of jesus christ we can see god moving um so thank you for that. I'm wondering if you can tell us a little bit about the role of a deacon. We oftentimes hear a lot about the role of a priest, um, and we oftentimes associate associate the role of a priest as the one that you go to for the Eucharist or um, baptism or absolution. But we don't really hear a whole lot about the role of a deacon. So can one of you, or both of you rather, um, elaborate a little bit about the role of a deacon within the church? Well, I, I'm not sure we would entirely agree on this. Uh, so Barbara, please um, share your opinion too on how you see it. But the way I see the role of a deacon, at least in the the sense of the ritual, the liturgy of the services, is typically you would have a priest and a deacon. And in my mind, my mind's eye, I see the priest representing God in a space of sacredness and the deacon representing the people in that space of sacredness. And I say that from the perspective of we hear colic prayers and absolutions being offered by priests, and we hear Eucharistic prayers being offered before communion. And what we hear from the deacon is we hear the prayers of the people. We hear the led the, the led prayers of confession, and we hear the dismissal to go forth into the world and rejoice in the power of the Spirit. And I see the role of a deacon as one that carries the weight of the people that are there to worship. And the role of the priest seems to be the one that nurtures those that carry that weight in, in that space. And it's a dualistic meaning behind how God needs us to be with God in that space. But I could go on and on about this, and I'd love to hear what Barbara has to say, too. I I agree um, with everything that you said, Adam. I The deacon during the Eucharist is, is presenting and embracing the Eucharist and being the people within that Eucharist um, and sharing the heart of the people, of what the people bring into 
the services every day and every week? What are their daily pains? What are their daily joys? And that's what we speak of in the service. Um, we bid the confession um, that we're heartfelt with the people who want to unburden themselves to God and forgive others that they've been angry with all week. And we are that connection with the person doing that. Uh, the deacon in the world is very different and yet very much the same. We still have that connection to the people, but we have that word that we also bring back to the priests. And I believe that a deacon's role is to remind the priest and share with the priest what is happening outside the walls of the church. And that my belief is that we cannot bring the people to the peace in their heart and and help them to receive the love of God through the Eucharist unless we identify with where they're coming from and accept them as they are and help them to know that we care about everyone, no matter where they are in life and what they bring to the table, literally and figuratively, and that our world doesn't operate otherwise. So, Barbara, I just want to add to what you're saying because I wholeheartedly agree. I think the joy of being a deacon out in the world and then being able to express that within the context of the liturgy is affirming people's belief that God loves them. And I say that from the traditional Episcopal approach, all human beings, if they're made in the likeness and image of God, therefore are loved by God. And that, I, that, that takes me to my favorite piece of scripture from the Gospels. And it's the first chapter of John. And I just love John 6 through 9, where John, where, where John the Baptist is talked about. It says, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify to the light so that all might believe through him. He himself was not the light, but he came to testify to the light. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. And oftentimes, I think of John the Baptist as kind of a, an image in my mind for deacons. Mm, yes. Came into the world before God came into the world, but also amplified the message from God and amplified that message in places that people were not traditionally seeking God. And in our baptismal rite, when we're make, making new Christians, um, at my, in my parish, my uh, rector, John Spicer, allows a space at the very end after the chrism oil has been put on the baby's head or the new Christian's head, where the deacon can light the candle off the paschal candle and hand the candle to the sponsors. Mm -hmm. And words that I use when I hand that over is, is something that comes from John. And I say, receive the light of Christ as you now bear him to the world. Because you're bearing God to the world and you have a responsibility with that. Every Christian carries that light. And a deacon's job is to remind people that light is within them. And 
sometimes they need other people's light for the experience of finding their own light again. Yes, we talk so much about the light of Christ and people really need to feel within them their own light. And that absolutely, I I love everything that you said, Adam, um, that we we help to get people to feel and see that light within them and that they can make the difference in someone else's life as well so i one of my favorite just so many or so few words is corinthians the old standby is love never fails and I truly believe that. And some people may interpret it as, well, that is love failing because of this reason or this reason or this reason. But to me, it is that love is still there and God is still there in the midst of the pain and the midst of the suffering. And we may not understand it when it's happening, but, but were it not for that love, that light, within us from Christ giving out into the world, it Christianity wouldn't have been spread the way it is now. And I think deacons are a part of that. And I I love hearing the two of you talk so passionately and graciously about your calling and how you view the role of a deacon, not only within the context of the four walls of the church, but the church without walls, the the community. I've oftentimes heard um, the that the deacons are called the ministers of word and service, and I think the way you all are artic- articulating uh, your stories and how you engage your call is is very much in light or similar to that minister of word and service um, mm. because service doesn't just mean a, a engaging in in mercy projects but justice like correcting the wrongs and working towards that more perfect beautiful world that god has dreamed for us um, and continues to work with us to reconcile the world back to God's self. Um, so I think I just love y'all's stories so much. <laughs> so one of one of the things that um I don't know that we realized it at the beginning that was happening, but for those of for the listeners out there, Adam and I went to Bishop Kemper's school for ministry together. And our entire first year was online. It was at the height of COVID. Um, we found out that we got accepted right when COVID started. And um, it, it was a struggle at first. We did not get to be next to everyone for the for- whole first year. But it taught us that there are many ways to connect with people. And we also discussed quite frequently 
that we felt COVID brought the heart of the diaconate out into the church tenfold than what it had been before. And my hope is, and I think Adam shares this opinion, is that others will act on that calling that they may have gotten during COVID of everyone was serving someone else. Our entire world was responding as the diaconate would, is how can we still have service for people? How can we still touch people's hearts? How can we get people connected if they're ill, that they can still talk to their families? I mean, everyone in the world was all going in the direction of love and helping others. And my hope is that that will change moving forward and that people will see the church out in the world. That what I've, I've seen um, online is the church has left the building. <laughs> uh, Barbara, I love what you're saying because I think the thing that hit me in the beginning of COVID, yeah, seminary and a COVID experience or in a uh, pandemic experience was something otherworldly. And it was uncomfortable. And I keep coming back to this idea of what is a deacon? Well, a deacon embraces the discomfort of the world because it's an uncomfortable space to be when you're not entirely in one organization or out of one organization. You are intentionally living within the tension of those two things. And the church oftentimes needs correction. It oftentimes misses its mark. It loses its way. And there are blessings in every experience, even the most tragic and awful experience. And one of those blessings out of COVID was forcing the Episcopal Church out of its own walls, which for far too often and far too long, everybody griped, why aren't people coming to church? Well, a lot of people moved on and didn't realize what was going on inside those four walls. And when you suddenly have to bring a camera into your church and you have to put it online, because you want to stay with, connected with your community, your people need those prayers, they need that worship, suddenly new people are finding you, and they're experiencing it through the miracle of social media algorithms and people's spiritual needs being at a higher level than ever because of the stress. And uh, that was something I had no intention of when I first discerned my call into the diaconate, was that I would end up becoming a digital evangelist. And that's my working title at St. Andrews. I focus specifically on the people who are seeking us out, lurking through the online portals, trying to figure out exactly what this church is about. And overwhelmingly, almost every new person we meet knows the names of the clergy. They're familiar with prayer leaders because they've been watching online before they ever step foot in a church. It's the most risk-free way of trying something to see if it looks like a safe place to be. and. Embracing that and living into it with hospitality and graciousness is so critical for the Episcopal Church because is the church the walls or is it the people? And sometimes the walls get in the way, and I, I get the beauty of it. I'm a traditionalist in that sense, but there are people that are hurting, and our job is to herald that into the church and make the church turn around and pay attention. Yeah, we can't, we can't hold. 
God's love and the church and the fellowship of the people within the walls. And that's what we learned during COVID is that the building can sometimes hold things inside too much and that we begin to worship the building rather than the God that we created the building for. <laughs> so um, I, I have a strong agreement with taking what we have available to us out into the world on people's phones, iPads, desktops, TVs, wherever they can see it, and really connecting with them. And I hope that the church never loses that now that we've finally got it. I can remember being told in the very first two weeks of COVID, oh, well, that'll never happen. You can't do that. How would they have communion? Well, it was figured out. When push comes to shove and you have to share that way and love that way, God finds a way. And empowering people to become Eucharistic visitors and delivering communion is a beautiful thing. We found a lot of people who are just not physically able to get to church do have some technology and means to get to church digitally. And we should embrace the, the idea of accessibility. And it's one way to help people stay connected and get connected. And, you know, I think the deacon is sometimes a spiritual canary in the coal mine for the Episcopal Church. We're, we're, we're the ones that start to feel that something's not right before it becomes mainstream. And yeah, you know, I think there's a, there's a, there's a role there that I haven't quite parsed out, but there's something about the role of the deacon when it comes to understanding non-traditional ways to approach traditional faith. Mm-hmm. I think you're on to something for sure. And, um, I I definitely agree with empowering those around you, particularly the laity, um, to become leaders within the church and exercising their faith outside of the four walls of the church. I know when I came back home to the Episcopal Church um, after a short detour in a different denomination, the first thing that I wanted to do was to become a uh, lay Eucharistic visitor. Because communion for me is so essential to my spiritual practice that I never wanted someone else to go without, um, regardless of why they weren't initially receiving. Um, If I had the ability to serve in that capacity, I certainly wanted to. So I completely agree with with that. I also want to touch on... Um, something that you said earlier, Deacon Adam, um, about spiritual needs. So you mentioned in in your previous career that you were a first responder, um, specifically a firefighter and an EMT. Um, I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit about how you're supporting first responders now that you're kind of in a a different uh, different role um, and addressing it more from a a spiritual side. Um, you, you bet. I'm happy to talk about it. Um, during my time as a firefighter, and I served for 15 years here in Kansas City, Missouri, um, 
I I fell into one of the many roles, you know, typically if you call 911 for a variety of reasons, but specifically a medical reason, you get six or seven individuals on a fire truck and an ambulance. And a lot of people don't know exactly why is that? Well, there are different roles that everybody plays on that fire truck and that ambulance. You know, the paramedic plays the role of essentially the doctor on the street who can deliver medicine and can make decisions based upon medical protocol written by a doctor that oversees the entire agency, usually from one of our public health hospitals. And there's a variety of EMTs. Every firefighter is an emergency medical technician. Many are now paramedics. Things have changed a lot in the last 25 years. And one of the roles that um, are often needed and I took in, I took into account was the need to care for the individuals that were witnessing the medical emergency happening for their loved one because they're witnessing something extremely traumatic. You know, CPR is not a fun experience and doesn't look like a healthy thing to see and witness and can cause quite a bit of fright. And I often found myself in that role of explaining what the next steps were, the importance of what we're doing to save their life and helping them with gathering some basic information. You know, to go to the hospital, we need your ID. We need your insurance card if you have them. We need any information on medications you may be taking. And I naturally fell into a caretaking role for those that were conscious and hurting around the the person in extreme medical need. And after I stepped away from the, from that career and found myself in in this calling, I recognize the amount of spiritual need that those first responders have. Because as I was talking about the the traumatic experience of seeing somebody in a medical emergency, um, it can hurt the loved ones. Well, it also hurts the first responders. Um, people oftentimes wonder how we manage our stress, and we don't very well. It's a hard job. It takes a physical and psychological and spiritual toll on an individual. That's why many police departments and fire departments have chaplains. Every hospital has chaplains. And the need is greater than the amount of chaplains that are available. So in the in the past few years that I've been deacon in the Episcopal Church, I have been working with our bishop to develop a fellowship that was once a national part of a national organization called the Episcopal Veterans Fellowship. And we're in a space where we we can expand that to be more than than veterans who have served and suffered, but also for first responders and frontline responders. We're seeing many front responder frontline responders out of the hospital, especially in emergency departments and ICUs, nurses and physicians that are spiritually and psychologically suffering from the amount of trauma they've seen. And we've created a welcome space that meets regularly here in West Missouri in a hybrid format. And um, we felt we fellowship together. We just understand each other and we hold each other in prayer and accountability and love and create spiritual community for people who've seen horrible things and need a place to be able to express that where they're not hurting others by sharing those, those experiences. And you can imagine, you know, when things are on fire or bullets are flying, um, it's kind of hard to go home at the end of your shift and just go back to normal life as if everything's great. And as our country has, has taken a dip in, in expressed spirituality through religion, 
we're finding that people are having more and more difficulty managing the spiritual stress of seeing these seeing death. So the church can help in those spaces by offering non-traditional means to connect with first responders and frontline responders and veterans who've all seen violence. Thank you for elaborating a little bit more on that. And also thank you for that specific ministry that you and and Bishop Diane are are working together on, um, along with the community that you've already started to cultivate. Um, I can think of several people that would um, yeah, really, really appreciate that. So it's a really, it's a really unique community, um, and I can't say that it's specifically one group of people. Yes, we have some veterans. We have a lot of family members of veterans. We have a few police officers, a few firefighters, a few priests and deacons. Um, we have an, an ICU nurse, and we have people that that genuinely care about the stress of that that space and what people have been through in those those times that they've served. Fabulous, thank you. And Deacon Barbara, um, how you meet the spiritual needs of the community is a little bit different than Deacon Adam uh, James does. Um, you do a lot for the diocese in terms of ordination support and um, some some more HR-related stuff. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? Sure. My calling, I thought, was going to be more uh, out in the community and discovered that the cathedral being downtown <clears throat> is different now than in years gone by due to some changes that have occurred within um, the city structure and how the city addresses houselessness. So we don't at the cathedral have as many people in need coming to the door. We will need to go to them, and that is still being organized and brought together. So I kind of organically watched what was happening with within the cathedral that under our previous bishop's leadership, those who were being ordained were ordained in their home parish or their sending parish. And under Bishop Diane, we are ordaining all transitional deacons, vocational deacons, and priests in the cathedral, which hadn't been done for many, many years. And it all just happened to happen at the time that I was assigned. Um, Deacon Adam and I and Deacon Vicki Anderson, I think, were, oh, and Mother Jean Long, um, I think, were the last people to be ordained outside of the cathedral. So the cathedral had to relearn and get back that muscle memory on how do we have an ordination, how, um, what all is needed to bring people together to have an ordination, how do we make this a diocesan event? And that's what I've been working towards is 
watching the budget at the same time by wanting to be welcoming to all those within the diocese. And that has, as I said, organically has kind of ended up where my calling has been for my first year as a deacon um, is bringing the people of the diocese in a welcoming environment to diocesan events, whether they're ordinations, uh, the Martin Luther King service, and anything that is hopefully going to see people from 15 minutes away to two or three hours away within the diocese. Um, this year, I'm going to change up the process a little bit in that I'm going to identify all the diocesan events at least once a year and communicate with all the churches within the diocese so that we can plan in advance to have people represented from throughout the diocese um, so that they can really know inside, once again, it's the heart thing, that this is their cathedral, it's their diocese, and although we are a parish community, we're not just the parish when we're hosting those diocesan events. We want them to feel welcome, even if it means they have to bring their own cushion to sit on a bench <laughs> on a church pew <laughs> for too long, as our unfortunately our pews are leave a little bit to be desired sometimes. They but, were not built during ergonomic times. They're not <laughs> built for human bodies. Right, right. A piece of wood for two hours is hard <laughs> on your especially your back. <laughs> um. So it it is still my heart my heart reaching out though because I really want people to feel joy from throughout the diocese when they come in and I love nothing more than to see someone who's never been to the cathedral before which you know, you have a split second of sadness of they may have been an Episcopalian for 15 years and they never had an opportunity to be in the cathedral, but they walk in and they see the history of their diocese reflected throughout the space. And it's a lovely thing. As, lovely. as someone who has been to several ordinations and went to their first in the Diocese of West Missouri uh, just six months ago um, to see a colleague be ordained uh, to the priesthood, I can tell you, you are really, really good at like supporting the ordination process and the celebration and the ceremony of ordinations. It's it's beautiful. Um, I, I think that it definitely shows 100%. <laughs> I'm very honored to be trusted to do that. And I'm also, the other thing for the diocese that I'm very honored to be trusted to do is that 
In March of 2023, I was appointed as the intake officer for the diocese, which is the person that anyone, um, whether lay or clergy, can contact in any format they choose, text, phone call, email, any way you want, um, to share if they feel like a member of the clergy is having difficulty following the canons. And sometimes that's just a personal opinion, and sometimes they're actually swaying, a coloring outside of the lines. So um, every organization, whether it is spiritual or secular, we create it from humans. and. Humans have failings. Only Jesus was perfect. So I make analysis individually before it goes any further. And I do that with a Christ centered heart. So even though it's important for us to follow the rules as humans, to care for others as we would have them care for us, um, we still do need to do it in love. Again, I, I really appreciate y'all's ministries. They're a gift to this diocese, and they will only make the church richer um, for you being part of it. So thank you. Um, I have one more question, and it's kind of a, a two-parter. What is the most joyful part of your calling of being a deacon in the Episcopal Church? And what is the most inspiring part of being a deacon in the Episcopal Church? You know, I'll jump in here real quick. And um, I think the most joyful part of it has been, and still is, because it's happened a handful of times in this past year, year and a half. When I invite somebody unlikely from our community center or from out in the neighborhoods. I spend a lot of time at the coffee shops in the Brookside Waldo area and talk to a lot of different people. And when I have my collar on, it does invite a lot of conversation. And that's partly the point. Um, to invite somebody, come experience what being a part of our community is like. And then they actually do. And then they actually connect. Um, we have one individual who I connected with on a Saturday, we were actually hosting at St. Andrews at HJ's a uh, Be Smart training for gun safety. And after the Be Smart training, our um, barista at the cafe approached me and said, there's an individual here who needs some prayer and some time. And I sat down with this person, spent an hour with them. It was well worth my time. And I think it was well worth theirs. And at the end of it, I said, Come across the street tomorrow, tomorrow Sunday. You're welcome with us. And that person did. And they connected and they found newness in their life. They found relationships and friendships. Uh, it helped them get back on their feet and into a stable living situation and into a career path. And there's friendship and true deep care. And that has brought so much joy. And to watch the joy that it's filled the hearts of in the people that are serving this person who's bringing them God from the streets. It's, that is 
by definition, I think what we as deacons can can have the heart to do because God empowered us to be out there. And I'm grateful for our priests. Our priests make sure that the church is fulfilling its mission, following its call, caring and pastoring the people. And we assist along those things. As it says in our ordination vows, other duties as assigned. And Bishop Diane sure loves to drill that one home when she can and get a good laugh out of everyone. And we're there to assist in that role. But we're really there to be out there and showing people that God loves them, regardless of their background, regardless of where they're at in life, and help them help us. It's a mutual benefit, and ministry is a two-way street. It's um, God works through all of us, and we all need that blessing. So I think as a deacon, that is, that is, that's what renews me every time, every time. Thank you. Deacon Barbara? This is a hard one for me um, because so many things bring me such joy and inspiration. Um, I find a great deal of joy in the gathering of people to worship together. And it is so different being on the altar than sitting in a pew. And I don't say that to exclude anyone, and I hope no one interprets it that way, except to, yes, if you want to be up there on the altar, come, come. (laughs) Um, But looking out on everyone worshiping together is something that really brings the Holy Spirit, and it is a great joy for me. And when people come up for communion and it feels united that everyone is one, no matter who they are, no matter where they came from, and they come from all over, they're all from very different walks of life, and they are all united in their eagerness to worship God. Um, That is very joyful to me. It is also inspiring to me because every time I see that and experience that, I am kind of hanged by God of look at the power of Christianity and what we have done and are doing and could do in the future if we all come together as one. Beautifully said. Beautifully said. Um, For our listeners, um, You may not know this, you may have made the connection, but Deacon Barbara and I actually work together. So we get to share many laughs, many joyful moments. 
But I want to share something really quick about Deacon Barbara. So, <laughs> so I don't know if you remember this, Deacon Barbara. It was your second week at the cathedral, and somehow I missed your first week. I can't, I can't remember why I wasn't there, but I wasn't there to greet you. And your second week, you were up at the rail. You were distributing the hosts. Um, for communion and I've received from you wasn't intentional but I just happened to receive from you and there's something about the way your presence is when you distribute communion you can tell that this is your calling that you absolutely are meant to be where you're at and I received from you yesterday, and I felt the exact same thing. There is a joy in you when you get to feed the people. You get to be with the people. And that's something that you've also said to me that was in, in our conversations, that you want to be with the people. You, my yeah. sister, are definitely with the people. <laughs> so I'm sorry, Deacon Adam, I can't like share something like that about oh, no it's okay <laughs> i'm actually I'm, i wholeheartedly embrace what you're saying receiving communion from deacon barbara is a blessing and i echo everything you're saying yeah so it is a deep joy and a privilege to work with you and minister alongside you um so thank you claire thank you well thank you both for sharing this time of story and um, ministry with our young people in the diocese and elsewhere in the world because we are in 14 different countries on this podcast and um, yeah i know um, very 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 exciting um and we aren't even a year old on the podcast yet <laughs> so very exciting things so um for our listeners, stay tuned for more exciting topics, and we will be back soon with more episodes um, that will be interesting, funny, and insightful, um, and as always, hopefully spirit-filled. So the Lord be with you all. And also with you. Hey, friends. Thanks for listening. Please like and subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts. To learn more about all things Episcopal, visit campusministry.diowestmo.org backslash all things Episcopal. All Things Episcopal podcast is a production of the Diocese of West Missouri in association with Resonant Media. The Lord be with you all.